1: Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host Sam Vecini. We are presented by The Athletic. Today on the show, our dear sweet friend Matthew Penny is here. And I have a sad announcement. Penny, the Golden State Warriors, right. they have finally given up on the dream that is Alan Smiley-Geach. Thus ending oh. <sighs> what had to be one of the most baffling like affinities for a prospect I've ever seen in my life.
0: No, sometimes the dream's over. You gotta let it go took longer than we thought but they've they've let go it sounds like if you're breaking the news here
1: well uh, anthony slater over at our site broke the news for sure uh so let, let's give slater the credit because slater's the best first and foremost uh but just do you remember the smile of Geach, like enthusiasm only from the warriors back in 2019 like n- nobody else around <laughs> not, the league thought not, he was
0: not good. as spe- Right, not specifically, maybe just directly appointed from them, but I don't remember the buzz outside of that organization, really.
1: Yeah, I thought another uh, good friend of the program, Dieter Kurtenbach, put it best on Twitter. Uh, Smiley was a totem of the Warriors' ownership's belief in itself. They were the last to admit the mistake. I think that's kind of right, weirdly. Uh,
0: You can can take those chances with a couple championships, though. You can... can, (laughs) You can better yourself a little bit more that something else is gonna pan out.
1: Yeah, I guess. I mean they they moved up in that draft like twice to trade up for him. Like it was it was bizarre how excited they were. They took him ahead of Eric Pascal. Yeah,
0: I really liked him. I really yeah. liked him. I thought he was underrated coming out of Villanova and that he was going to hit, and he has for the most part. Especially yeah. The second no, round. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He's gone as well as you could get for like 40. I think he was taking 41, if I remember correctly. Uh, yeah. You can't complain about what they've gotten from Pascal. You can complain about the Warriors' affinity for Alan Smilagic, uh, because good God, good God. Uh, they traded multiple second round picks, uh, to get him. What a, what a oh. choice.
0: The second round picks are kind of house money though a little bit they're not guaranteed you're, you're kind of like bargaining with the other side of the table more so than selecting and saying here's your salary it's not set you want a two-way no all right we'll, we'll pick somebody else it's not set yeah. in stone
1: yeah it's reasonable okay we're going to talk about the 2021 nba draft today uh i was stuck on a live show and by stuck i mean i had a fucking blast doing the live show but by the end of the draft i was like extremely wiped uh and then on top of it we had to do a couple trade breakdowns for the Celtics, like kings hawks mavericks like four team weirdness on saturday and then we had to do uh, a russell westbrook deal so Plus, I had to do my end of draft column, and then all those, all the machinations like during the draft, where we have like you know twenty stories go up, you know, between me and the beat writers. So it, it was a long day on Friday for me, Thursday for everyone else. Penny, how, how did draft day treat you?
0: Draft day was great. I think the first text from you came from the equivalent of four in the morning in Australia.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I was up at it's like you're awake. Like, like, I don't
0: yeah, it's draft day. I'm up. I'm, I'm here. Uh, yeah. My draft day was great. I mean, so, <laughs> well, I, I guess I'm, I'm as wiped as you are. I tweeted yesterday that Scotty Barnes was drafted by the Magic. Uh, so that's that's where I'm at mentally. I, I think I've like <laughs> studied for the test, like in college, and you take the final and you regurgitate all the information. And then the next day, somebody's like, well, yeah, what was that answer? It made a lot more sense when I was writing it of Scotty Barnes is drafted by the team. He plays high school basketball in. I thought it was just a, a small little tweet, and my phone starts buzzing a little bit of notifications. I'm like, that's not that good. They're like, you are hacked. What are you talking about? Didn't the Raptors draft him? I'm like, oh, what have I done? And and that's just where I'm at as a uh, as a thinker with the draft. The actual day I thought was great. Uh, it was quiet early, which I, which I've said. I, I think you could echo that, talking to couple teams a couple scouts and then it, it turned into mayhem and powered through till about one in the morning and woke up and you had a dozen stories and people had their analysis and i thought i i can't even process anything yet so for these guys to already pumping out content was uh, admirable
1: so yeah the, the the draft was interesting in a lot of ways because throughout the week you would hear from teams that there is going to be a lot of movement and look You hear that often pre draft. Totally. Um, like it's just like a normal occurrence, right? Teams often feel that way. But like I, throughout the week, I was being assured basically, like, no, look, we're telling you there is going to be a lot of movement. This is different than in years past. It didn't really feel like there were all, there was all that much movement at the end of the day. Like, uh, I would say, what, there were, like, seven trades, something like that. Like, it, it was not, and I think, like, only a couple of them involved first-round picks. There was the Shangun deal, the Kai Jones yep. deal, the Keon Johnson deal. Like, those are the three that stand out in my mind.
0: Yeah, uh, was the Aldama, the end of the first, was that trade?
1: Yeah, Memphis moved up to get Santi, yeah. so that's another one, yep. Um,
0: yeah, Earlier in the, the day, oh whatever it was, when Memphis moved up to 10, I thought it was more, and you get it every year that this draft night's going to be crazy. You're not going to believe what's going to happen. I didn't believe some of the selections, but in terms of trades, it was a. Uh, I wasn't underwhelmed because of the fireworks that were happening when the commissioner was announcing names. So I, I wasn't. <laughs> I didn't worry that there weren't other than the Russell Westbrook thing, which we can say is a, a blockbuster deal. Beyond that, it wasn't anything that really moved mountains per se
1: yeah the, the thing that surprised me i thought there'd be more movement like in the middle to end of lottery uh based off of what i was told i, I figured and, that teams basically from 7 through 14 like most of those picks you know you talk to people around the league like those teams were discussing those picks not all of them but most and of trying them.
0: and trying yeah. i mean there are there are teams that we both know they're trying to move down and then yep. it came out a couple hours after and uh, I, somebody had to remind me on this that golden state may have reached out to indiana about the chris duarte thing and there were a lot of guys that seemed to be coveted from like nine to 19 or like that range and then beyond that it didn't seem like the movement was that necessary the pieces didn't really shift as much as we anticipated i guess but it's seemingly guys got teams got the guys that they were targeting i would argue for the most part
1: yeah no i I agree with that so let's just kind of go from the top here and and just mention the top three, right? Because that's that's kind of an easy discussion here. Cade Cunningham goes one. Jalen Green goes two. Evan Mobley goes three. We've kind of knew, known that that was going to be the likely outcome, if not the certainty, because Detroit really did, I think, undertake a strong process here and you know confirm that Cade Cunningham was going to be the guy. Uh, I you know I'm sure that you heard the rumors that I did that Jalen Green went in and like absolutely destroyed a workout with Detroit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, may have made it even more of a real decision. But, you know, at the end of the day, Cade Cunningham was just the extremely obvious selection that needed to happen.
0: No question. The selection that can you can really build your franchise around, can play him so many different ways. And he was great on draft night. He took out the sunglasses. He, he embraced the city. He talked about how excited he was to get there. I was a little worried. Just in like, the back of my mind, like I hope he's not saying this. He's going to have to change his hat in about like 25 minutes like there's been a trade. It would have been an, an all-time blooper reel type of thing. We didn't have to witness that. It was good. So he, he landed where he really should, and I don't think there needs to be too much discussion beyond that because we've covered him so extensively. We're both big fans, and I don't see how it doesn't work there.
1: Yeah, have there been more words spoken on this podcast about Cade Cunningham than any other (laughs) player? There's
0: a Cade kind of drinking game for this. A lot of people be in trouble.
1: Yeah, Cade's going to be a stud. Okay, so two and three. You know, like we said, these picks have been kind of assumed for a while now Jalen Green's been the guy in Houston and then Evan Mobley has definitely been the guy in Cleveland I think they were ecstatic when it seemed like Houston kind of settled on Jalen Green because Evan Mobley uh, from everything I've been told was like a high target uh, on their board maybe not quite as high as Cade but it was certainly uh, I would venture probably the number two guy for them Uh, do we have any strong thoughts before we move into the crazy madness of you know Scotty Barnes and Jalen Suggs, then the rest of this lottery that just completely like devoured itself. <laughs>
0: Cannibalized itself. For Cleveland, my, my question to you a little bit is, despite I, I do love the fit with Evan Mobley for what the Cavs need, and even with Isaac Okoro in, in the backcourt, and however they shuffle those pieces, I, I'm curious your thoughts on how it works with Jared Allen. Somebody put out a, a graphic on Instagram a couple hours ago about the whole starting five will be younger than twenty three years old, and Jared Allen and Evan Mobley are going to play together. Jared Allen shoots thirty two percent from three, and Evan Mobley I know is a low number of attempts. It looks good, but J- he Jared
1: he's also like a non shooter from three. Like Correct, he takes, but that's like, kind of
0: but that's kind of my point. Like he's yeah. a non shooter. Evan Mobley shot thirty percent. Kind of, I don't want to say non shooter, but he's not seeking out threes. Mm-hmm. Isaiah core is below thirty percent. I just don't know how it works. Like I, I like the age of the core, but I just can't get over the. Potential lack of spacing if that's the lineup that they roll out.
1: I agree with you. Uh, I'm not a big fan. I've talked about this on Twitter a lot. Uh, I am not a big fan of the Jared Allen and Evan Mobley uh, fit in the front court. Having said that, like I don't think that you pass on Evan Mobley no, to sign no, no, no. Jared Allen. Right? No, like the, the the decision here is like moving on from Jared Allen. It's not signing Evan Mobley, or not drafting Evan Mobley. Uh, the reason that I don't really like it, I understand the idea that Evan Mobley is probably going to have to like guard some fours early in his career, right? Sure. It's probably true because he is 215 pounds. Let's say maybe he even adds a little bit of weight before the season gets up to 220, right? It's a little too skinny to deal with the wear and tear of being a center early on. I get that. I would not want to be locked in to having, I think it's like, 58 million dollars tied up in my cap between jared allen kevin love larry nance and uh evan mobley given and like look people will be like yeah but like kevin love doesn't really count he actually kind of doesn't it counts
0: yeah it does count
1: like i get i understand what people say when they say that but the problem is that his money does count on the cap because his money like leaving the books aligns with when cleveland has to pay darius garland a lot of money to keep him in all likelihood oh and especially if they end up deciding to pay colin sexton a Mm -hmm. decent amount of money so you can always make trades you can always maneuver and you can always you know create flexibility when you have guys that people want and at the end of the day like I do think that Darius Garland, and to an extent Colin Sexton for sure, I think that you could easily move Colin Sexton if you have to in a flexibility type of maneuver. Those are guys the teams will want. I really worry as to whether or not Jared Allen at $17 million a year, given the way that the center market has played out over the last few years, is an asset that teams will be excited about trading for. Because you look at Clint Capella, right? Clint Capella is a better player than Jared Allen, he, and he has been for the entirety of their careers. Like I would say Clint has been a slight step ahead of Jared Allen from year three and year four if you look at year three and year four of each of their respective careers. Clint Capella got traded on a reasonable contract. I think he gets paid like $15, 16000000 million a year. He got traded on a reasonable contract for a mid-first round pick. As someone who, you know, this year, set especially was probably a top 10 center in the NBA. I think Jared Allen's probably more of like a top 15 to 20 center, personally. I don't think he's as mobile on the perimeter defensively. Uh, certainly a great rim protector. I wouldn't deny that. And certainly a great rim runner, but like not much of a passer, you know, not much of a uh, guy that I feel comfortable with the ball being put on the ground. Uh, he's just like a little bit less diverse in terms of skill set than what capella is so i I, i'm like a little bit worried about paying jared allen a lot of money in general i would say uh especially now that you have evan mobley and like worst case scenario just fucking make kevin love guard fives or make larry nance guard fives your team is not winning games this year anyway exactly and if you're worried about like the wear and tear, just let them take the, I mean, I feel bad saying that because I actually really like Larry Nance too. I think he's a great player. Um, Like those are your guys that you can have take the wear and tear at the end of the day of playing the five. And then you're not locked into this bad Jared Allen deal when you already have your center of the future in Evan Mobley.
0: As he gets acclimated, they can eat some of those minutes and and fouls. And I just, I don't, I can't even remember the last time in in recent memory playing two centers at the same time, like really worked and paid off, especially as you get further down the season and into the playoffs. Uh, I think his (laughs) Kendrick Perkins comped him to a, a modern day Bill Russell. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I do know that Evan Mobley will do stuff on both ends of the floor. It was the right pick. Just questions on how it works with everything else they have right now. Do you lock in Jared Allen and where do you go from here?
1: Yeah, and everyone's like, yeah, but you don't want to lose the Jared Allen asset for nothing. Yeah, I agree. You might be able to sign and trade him somewhere. Like, take a look at the sign and trade market. Uh, That even if you open up a trade exception, like that is a valuable piece that you could you know acquire in order to. maneuver down the road i'm just not i think in general my hesitancy is more paying jared allen even than the fit of jared allen and evan mobley although i don't love the fit of jared allen and evan mobley
0: you don't pass on evan mobley who normal years could be a number one pick and best player available can, on their board for there
1: can, can we talk about that real quick actually yeah, um, let's do it. the like Evan Mobley and Jalen Green could be number one overall picks in a normal draft. Yeah, I don't really agree with that. So
0: who goes number? So let's go a year before. I would probably take both those guys over Anthony Edwards.
1: I, I agree with that. I would take both of those guys over Anthony Edwards. But I, I you just kind of run through the past years. I mean, we've got you definitely don't take either of those guys over Anthony Davis coming out.
0: No way, no Kentucky.
1: No, I don't think yeah, either yeah. of those guys go ahead of Andrew Wiggins coming out of Kansas.
0: Probably not out of Kansas, despite there were some Wiggins disappearing acts there, but I, I agree with you.
1: You, I don't think either of those guys go ahead of Carl Anthony Towns.
0: Not Towns, no.
1: I don't think either of those guys go ahead of Ben Simmons. No, no. I don't think either of those guys go ahead of Markel Fultz, given what the Markel Fultz hype train was. I was
0: driving, said train. no discussion maybe, but likely no. I'd likely still go with Markel Fultz, even though it hasn't panned out.
1: Right. De- I don't think either of those guys go ahead of DeAndre Ayton.
0: DeAndre Ayton, Bagley, Doncic, probably not. Probably yeah. not. But, and but those we, guys we definitely those match-
1: don't go ahead. They don't go ahead of Zion Williamson for sure.
0: No, but the, I will say with, with Evan Mobley, you'd probably get, not probably, definitely, in the Pac-12 have matchups, USC versus Arizona, so you'd see it head-to-head and maybe have a, <laughs> a little bit more of a a base to to judge it upon.
1: I think teams probably would have defaulted to DeAndre Ayton is much more solidly built and is just not as much of a project as Evan Mobley because Evan's right. going to take time just due to the physicality adjustment.
0: Right, yeah, it needs some size, it needs some size. Right.
1: Um, so that's seven out of ten, seven out or no, but, I'm sorry, counting Cade, eight of the last ten where they wouldn't right, have been but, number one overall so, picks.
0: So the but year before, they would have, and then next year, who knows? But we, we're talking right now about Chet Holmgren, I love, badly needs weight, Paulo Bancaro, I, I really like. There needs to be a little bit more expansion to his perimeter stuff, which he's gotten better at, but those guys aren't surefire number ones. I, mean, there's I agree. The places, the places that have put up mocks, you, you can switch them, and if you tell me those guys go five and seven, I, I wouldn't fight that.
1: I'll be surprised if Paulo goes five or seven, but I I understand.
0: Sure. Let's say two and three or or three and four. If somebody leaps them, something happens miraculously. I'm not saying Jay Ivey's going to go first, but there there could be some movement from someone somewhere. Point being, there's more maybe conversations. I, I anyway, and and I know the Pistons went through their process. I kind of shut it down. Like, Cade's number one. Let's stop talking about it. At least Evan Mobley and Jalen Green, in normal draft cycles, there'd be more of a a seemingly process to see if those guys – can um can work their way up beyond two and three where they went. It's not a bad thing. Like, they're, they're really good. So we'll say they're the best two and three picks. Like, that's fine, too. Yeah,
1: like, High-level I think there's a real case draft. for that. Like, I think there's yeah. much better case for that. But, like, hearing all week that, like, there, there are three number one overall picks in this draft, it just, like, doesn't line up. To scrutiny, you know what I mean? Like it, it but, but
0: but it's a but it's a better line than there's three number two picks in this draft. <laughs> yeah. the, the clicks aren't there for you're looking for the runner up from every draft.
1: Yeah, and like I don't mean that disrespectfully to Jalen oh, Green no and Evan Mobley, all of whom I or both of whom I think are phenomenal prospects, both of whom I think are going to be like multi-time All Stars in the NBA. But it, it just yeah, like I, I I kept hearing that and I was like this this seems strange. But then again, like I'm someone who is probably 5% lower on those guys given than the consensus, given that I have Jalen Suggs ahead of them.
0: Yeah. So the consensus did us wrong at the turn here at four.
1: <laughs> so,
0: I mean, I, I know I, – and, and you talked about it, and, and you had an article. So I was going to say – I... These daggers These daggers aren't coming at you. But as soon as the Raptors <laughs> picked Scotty Barnes, everyone rushed to Twitter and said, well, we, we knew that. We, we put this down. We knew it was going to happen, but Suggs was the guy, so now it's Scotty Barnes. said, whoa, 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 whoa. This was not really out there as a, a common thing. It was discussed no. that he fits what they want to do, but rather than people applaud the pick, it was more saying, well, we didn't put on the mock, but we knew it was going to happen.
1: It's like, what, what, are, we, what are we doing well, what are No, about? we definitely didn't know it was going to happen. Anyone saying they knew it was going to happen is full of shit. Uh <laughs> What, what I wrote was that, look, this is a real possibility. Like, this is a distinct thing that could happen. They might take Scotty Barnes because, from what I've been told, they thought that, like, like they really liked Evan Mobley, from what I gather. And they couldn't move up into the top four because, those or the top three, because those teams really, really like those guys, right? Um, yep. So, from what I was told, once they got out of that top three, they saw it as more flat In that, like, Scotty Barnes, Jalen Suggs, Jonathan Kaminga range, which is, like, fair enough, right? I I think it's the wrong choice, but I I understand their thought on it, at least. Anyone who's saying, oh, yeah, we knew this was going to happen, that's bullshit. Nobody knew what the Raptors were going to do. There were talks like... Like I was told that like the Raptors like considered trading like up and down the board uh throughout the week so n- nobody knew what Toronto was gonna do that was that's just wrong but part of that is that nobody knew what Toronto was gonna do and t- while Jalen Suggs was considered the like consensus obvious pick they went against consensus that's fine I disagree but you know th- this is what happens I guess on draft night right
0: it happens Not as often at at top of the board. There seemed to be some surprise, anyway, that echoed through the arena there when he was picked. And we've talked the ascension of many guys laid up draft boards. I know it's not, like, a huge, the biggest jump. There was a legitimate chance Scotty Barnes was going back to school. Like, there were NBA teams that thought he was going to go for a while. And now he goes fourth and leapfrocks the guy.
1: Yeah, like, back in March and April, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Before he, like, officially declared and everyone else had, there was rumblings he was going back. And now... He jumps Jalen Suggs, who's a top three pick since probably December. I, yeah. I listened yesterday to—I think it's yesterday—Bobby Webster, who's Raptors GM, and he, he had like a 14-minute press conference on draft night, and he said they've tracked Scotty Barnes, who's 16 years old. They love his personality, they love the way he uh, approaches work and the game, and they took the best player available on their board and said the way the nba trends now you can't have too many of these two-way positionless wings and noted they didn't see any positional overlap with Scotty Barnes and other guys on the roster whether it be Pascal Siakam or, or OG Ananobi or or whatever else may be i i would just i like scotty barnes I, I like how he can rebound and push the tempo and have advantageous fast break opportunities i like how he falls a shot and get another one off and can guard up the lineup it's just right now I still can't get on board with the offense. And if I'm picking yeah. lower, I'm high-fiving the warm at four. I'm panicking on passing Jalen Suggs, a guy that can do shades of all those things, albeit at six foot four, and get you buckets late when needed, and the clock is winding down consistently. That That's like my, my hang-up on it.
1: Yeah. So with Scotty, I agree with Bobby Webster. I don't think they're going to have a problem getting all of Pascal Siaka, Moji Ananobi and Scotty Barnes on the floor together. Like they're going to be able to play, like honestly, that might be an ideal playoff lineup, uh, given how long all of those players are. I think they all have like a seven foot two to seven foot three wingspan mm-hmm. and they're all between six foot eight and six foot 10. So that, that's a bear of a defensive lineup. I don't know where the shot creation is gonna come from, though. Fred Van Vliet is good. Fred Van Vliet is not good going toward the basket. Pascal Siakam seemed a bit miscast this year as like a number one option. On top of that, like OG Ananobi is like developing as a pick and roll player. I'm a little bit skeptical he can be a number one guy there, but like they've gone down the road of really trying to get him reps with the ball. I think he's really good. I, like you're not going to hear me say too many negative words about OG. I think he's a stud. I, I just don't. I don't know what you do. They they have a lot of these guys. I guess is my point. They they have a lot of these number three to number five options. Number two in Pascal Siakam's case, I think he can be a number two um, to number five options on the court offensively. And I think that Scotty is another one of those guys. Ooh. I still am trying to answer the question of what do you do with Scotty Barnes offensively in the half court? I, I don't know that I have an answer to that yet. In transition, yeah, like he can grab and go and he can lead the break and he can make passing reads and he has great vision. Like he can do all of that. I think he's really good at all of that. But what do you do okay. with him in the half court when the game slows down?
0: Uh, I'm. You're, take, you're taking my, my bullet points away from me. The last 14 games of the season, he hit three three-pointers at Florida State. What does that look like in the playoffs when the ball swung to him in the fourth quarter of Game 6? Yeah. That's okay. If, if he's the, I don't want to say no offense guy, but if he's the guy that's a little bit limited in that sense, but you can swing it, well, Pascal Siakam shoots 29% from three, and OG can space the floor out. You just have this whole, if they re-sign Lowry, I, this is kind of like a little bit of a, a moot point, moot conversation, because now you have lowry van vliet uh i think they extend a qualifying offer to gary trent they do still have malachite flynn you have siakam so like those pieces are there if they don't and there's this kind of like hole at point guard and i don't know if they trade and there's something floating that it could be a sign trade and they get dragic, i don't even know if they'd keep them or, or buy them out if yeah Woj, not, Woj
1: reported that earlier
0: Okay, so it's a possibility. I just I, I can't quite get there if you have someone like Jalen Suggs who I want the ball in his hand in the fourth quarter as opposed to it gets in the half court and people are just going to play way off Scotty until he bumps up that 27.5% three-point percentage. And he, and he can make the passes, he can make the reads, shot 50% to the field, free throw percentage isn't quite there yet. He is a worker. He has kept getting better. I mean, that's another thing that the general manager said, that he kind of has a slow and steady uptick of improving himself. Uh, I just I, – Jalen Suggs is, is still number two on my board, despite the draft being over for a few days, and I'm not going to get off that one for a little while.
1: Here's the thing, though. We don't really have any evidence of Scotty Barnes ever being able to shoot. Like, there's just – It's not there. Like, he's never done it. From the free throw line, like, he takes limited attempts from threes and, like, you know, sometimes they go in, sometimes they don't. But the fact that he's taking under a three per game basically at every stretch of of his career before Florida State, I mean, it says a lot. The fact that he shot 62% from the line and that 62% line is essentially, like, in line with AAU numbers, Montverde numbers, everything like that. The fact that like he's not some incredible finisher at the basket because uh, his touch like just it, it's not phenomenal. You can you could convince me that he gets to the point where he's an OK spot shooter uh, in the way that like Thad Young got to the point where he was an OK spot shooter. Right. I just don't know that there's a ton of evidence that he is going to be anything more than that from the corners and to be real. <clears throat> look like i feel like you and i have been enormous scotty barnes fans the whole year and like i don't like taking this time to just like shit on scotty barnes right
0: no and and not trying to i yeah. i also think that the part of it is he hasn't necessarily been asked to be this scorer either so part of this could be a byproduct of him just uh, embracing what his role is and he's like an all-time embrace the role high five yeah. guy the second chance points all that he really hasn't had to do that since like the university school in Florida with Vernon Carey, like, before he even transferred to Mount Verde. Like, he didn't have to do that at Florida State. He came off the bench. So maybe with with more responsibility offensively, it, it can go beyond of what he's done right now. Just it, it's not currently at that state.
1: I'll be honest. I, I thought there were some moments that Florida State, like, kind of asked him, it looked like, to take over, and, like, he just couldn't do it.
0: Well, he had just... the game winner against Indiana. Yeah. I believe. Uh, beyond that, yeah, they – mj walker and then at the end of games he had to do a little bit but it was kind of like all right your turn go ahead as well, opposed to, to this is what we're going to do to end the game
1: well here's the thing so like okay score around the basket right like can drive and finish to an extent a lot of his best made baskets uh around the bat around the rim in half court settings this year came off of like cuts and offensive rebounds like he shot 64 percent on offensive rebounds according to synergy um You know, made, I think, 63% of his shots off of cuts, according to Synergy. Like, most of his points around the basket came in those settings as opposed to, like, self-creating shots, right? Like, I think that over half of his points this year around the basket came on offensive rebounds and off of cuts. So that is a bit concerning to me as it refers to, like, relying on this guy in the half court to be a self creator. Uh, there just isn't a ton of evidence that he's that guy. He's great at it in transition. I just don't know that we've seen it in the half court and get kind of getting back to my point. Like if he becomes a good like corner spot shooter, like not off of movement, like you can just camp him in the corner and he can make threes and hit them at like a 36% clip. That's enough for him to be an incredibly effective role player like the kind of role player that teams pay a hundred million dollars to have on their team because he is like one of the best in the league at it. But and to me, when he
0: catches in the corner when he rips through. If, that, if the shot's respectable, you have to run him off the line. He'll rip through. He's playing five on four, and that's when he's best. When, right. when he can make reads and a guy cuts and someone's like that kind of hammer action the opposite side. Right, and he passes the ball really well. Let's let's not undersell that. Yeah, the shot to, has to get there to open up everything else.
1: To me, like the best place where you would utilize Scotty Barnes right now. Is in like as a center is like a short roll center you'd have him set the screen and he would be the release valve that short rolls into that um you know like maybe 18 to 20 foot area and then you get the four on three after you a team has blitzed fred van vliet but again how many teams are blitzing fred van vliet off the line like that's it's kind of where that breaks down a little bit like I, i don't like it's one thing if it's Damian Lillard. Like if if it's Dame, like Scotty Barnes is an incredible fit there, I think. But like Fred Van Vliet's a great pull-up shooter. I don't know if he's good enough to where teams are going to be like, oh my god, we need to just like, you know, go two on the ball here, and then Scotty Barnes is going to short roll and he's going to be able to make plays that way. I really think he's going to have to shoot on some level, and. I'm a little bit lower on the jump shot. I guess is where I'm at. Like, he doesn't have an in-between game. He can't shoot from three, and his finishing as a self creator is just not is quite as good as what you would hope. So, I'm a I'm I'm dubious of this pick. I really like the player. Uh, I think he's a phenomenal basketball player. I don't love the selection over who was on the board,
0: which ended up being the Orlando Magic game at number five by taking Jalen Suggs I thought it was an actual dream scenario do you think in the war room they're like I don't know what's going on right now we have to take him but we didn't plan on this but we're doing it uh they had the third worst record in the NBA it doesn't matter they drafted Cole Anthony here before Jalen yeah. Suggs was by far the best player on the board where we had him tiered out and you have to rock with it and I, I thought that next tier takes a, a dip and you're able to scoop a guy that probably shouldn't have slipped and now but By the byproduct of that is he's gonna have a massive chip on his shoulder. He's gonna be out there yeah. to prove that he shouldn't have been to five. He's gonna be happy because he'll be able to play and showcase his ability. But now every game is gonna come out there with that extra internal motivation for the teams that didn't believe in him.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree with you on that. And this is the kind of guy where you don't you, you don't want to make him mad. I feel like uh, <laughs> yeah. you don't it's want like to disrespect Hulk. him. Do you say he's like the Hulk? yeah <laughs> <laughs> um i thought about that right as i was saying that i was like shit that was a here, comes, here it comes yeah, uh, that was good. yeah no i i think jalen suggs is a stud I, I think that that kid is uh, look he's not a number one overall pick right as we kind of talked about with jalen green and uh, evan mobley but he is everything you would be looking for from a top three pick in my opinion he is excellent on both ends of the floor like that's the other thing with the Raptors thing like with what Bobby Webster said like you know we really like these guys who play on both ends of the court I mean Jalen Suggs he I does. think
0: he's yeah. yeah. phenomenal us that yeah
1: Yeah. <laughs> Jalen th- Suggs
0: throws full court bounce passes for layups he does that too
1: yeah like look Scott I think Scotty Barnes has more defensive upside than Jalen Suggs to be sure but I mean Jalen Suggs has all defense team potential in his own right and then on top of all defense team potential, he throws unbelievable full-court passes and reads the court at an incredible clip and, like, can get to the basket at will because he's such a good athlete and he's powerful athletically and can finish. Like, he can go around screens and shoot. I think the jumper is fine. It, it's going He's a little streaky right now. It's going to take a little bit of time. But it, as soon as the jumper comes, I mean and it's going to come, he's going to be really fucking hard to stop.
0: I loved it, too, because despite the Magic having young guards and and Cole Anthony just extended Markel Fultz, they traded for RJ Hampton, Jalen Suggs is kind of like the the best of of pieces of all these guys, and it doesn't matter. It wasn't another 6'8 wing with a 7'2 wingspan. I I thought this was like a tangible guy that could come in and, and really produce right away. Some of the other picks have been like developmental pieces that always felt like you, you hope that Mobama can come around or something like this. Jalen Suggs is going to play from day one. Like I'm, I'm yeah. not worried about his production from day one. It may cause some issues with who plays because now you do have a, a, a wide selection of players kind of at that one-two combo, but those things will work itself out.
1: But you know what, though? I kind of think that because Jalen Suggs' skill set is as rounded as it is, you can play him with any of those guys and it'll be fine. Like you could play him next to Markel Foltz at the two and he can share the load with Markel and it'll be fine. You can play him next to Cole Anthony and he can take on the tough defensive assignment while Cole just like goes out and gets a bucket and he is responsible for like initiating and distributing within the offense like that works pretty well you can play him next to RJ Hampton who I kind of like better than both Cole Anthony and Markel at this case. Like I think he's more of the long-term building block. Uh, I, I kind of think that that's where I'm more interested at this point is uh, playing him as the point guard next to RJ Hampton. I don't know that they'll go that direction early in the season, but you know, long-term that's what I'm looking at is their like front court of the future. Um, you, know, you can play three of those guys together you can play you know markel rj and jalen suggs together because markel is six foot five with a six foot ten wingspan jalen suggs is strong as hell and can defend ones and twos and threes and rj hampton is six foot six like you you can maneuver those lineups really well i don't understand the criticism they have a lot of guards they need to uh they need to take someone like scotty barnes that just didn't line up to me
0: and those guys have all played at some level the one the two cole anthony's never played the three like rj hampton played point guard on the grassroots circuit mark l played the one and the two jalen Suggs played the one and the two and to your point the gonzaga experience for him prepared him for this because he's used to playing with other guys and not necessarily being the offensive focal point he's used to setting the table for Corey kispert and finding drew timmy then uh, yeah he gets hot he doesn't have to have the ball in his hands every play. So we even made arguments we wanted to take over more Gonzaga. So he's going to fit in and be able to do this and, and not try to do too much too early. But when you have to, and that's why I had him as high as I did, and get a bucket, he has yep. enough wiggle to come off pick and roll, to find the guy rolling, spray something in the corner, or go all the way to the hoop and finish and, and get a foul. He's not going to fall over. He's he's going to withstand the, the bumps because he is a physical type of player.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's – I think that's absolutely right. Let's take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. We're talking about players securing the bag when they get drafted in June. I need to tell you about securing your internet connection with NordVPN. What is a VPN? It's a virtual private network. A VPN reroutes your traffic through a remote server, encrypting it, in the process. This is gonna hide your location from your ISP hackers and from other people looking to get your data. Everybody knows that I watch as many movies as I can. I think I've probably watched like 40 or 50 this year already. Some movies are blocked in Australia. It's really hard for me to watch them. Uh, For instance, uh, anybody who's tried to get their hands on Godzilla minus one recently knows that it's basically only available in Japan. And you need a VPN if you want to go to like Amazon Prime or something to be able to watch it. So when I'm blocked from watching a movie in Australia, I just queue up my VPN. I change my location and it unlocks a category of movies from all of my favorite streaming services. As somebody who's always on the go, connecting to public Wi-Fi is a necessity, but it's also just a goldmine for hackers. That's where Nord comes in, creating a secure tunnel for my data to travel through away from prying guys. There are other benefits to Nord as well. Your browsing history is yours and yours alone. Your virtual location is masked from those who seek to track your every move. It's like having a force field around your online identity. NordVPN also goes the extra mile with threat protection. Malware, trackers, dodgy ads, they're all going to get blocked. It's like having a shot blocking big around your devices 24-7. Game Theory is offering an exclusive deal for NordVPN. You're going to get four extra months and up to 75% off subscriptions. Just head to NordVPN.com slash Game Theory. G-A-M-E-T-H-E-O-R-Y to claim your account. Plus, with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Go to Nordvpn.com slash Game Theory to claim your account. NordVPN.com slash Game Theory. Guys, I can't emphasize enough. Uh, how much I use Nord every day of my life. Uh, Nord is a fantastic sponsor for us, so go support Nord, and it's a great product. So, NordVPN dot com slash Game Theory. Okay, this is this is where the madness truly started. At number six for some people, uh, I guess maybe four and five was like crazy, but. It, we'd kind of heard that. Josh Giddy going number six, I think, took a lot of people by surprise.
0: Uh, yeah, big time. I let's. Well, you were doing a live show, so how were you? How were you digesting picks per se? Were you on your phone seeing what it was and watching the screen, or were you reacting to it live?
1: Uh, people, our producers would tell us who the pick is, like who, because sh- Shams obviously reports them like five minutes before they happen. Um, Correct. So the, our our producers would be telling us, "Hey, the Thunder are taking Giddy," or I'd have Twitter open, like the Primo one, the the Primo one on the live, on the live show was funny. When we get there, I'll explain it. Um, but with Giddy, I think one of our producers said it, and then Harper like kind of broke the news in the middle of our uh, in the middle of our show to us. And I'll, I'll say what I said there in like april and may back when the nbl season was in full swing i had kind of heard that oklahoma city was doing a lot of due diligence on giddy like more than the normal team uh toronto got a lot of publicity for sending over patrick engelbright uh and like making him quarantine for two weeks just because they wanted to see josh but the other team that i got told was doing like that level of extensive research into him was Oklahoma city. Now I did not hear that really again during the pre-draft process, which says a lot about how good Sam Presti is at this, by the way. Uh, The thing that Oklahoma city has tended to do in the past with their guys pre-draft is they do consider shutting them down down. Uh like they kind of hit away Alexei Pokoshevsky last year and everyone knew they wanted Pokoshevsky. Uh they shut down campaign, you know, 4 or 5 years ago whenever that was. Th- they do have a tendency to try and like make it so that guys can't get into workouts, right? Um and thus potentially, you know, someone jumps them for a trade or you know the guys they like they want to try and make it so they can get the guys they like. With Giddy they didn't really have to worry about shutting him down because he was with the Australian national team throughout the entire pre-draft process so there was never really a point where he was going and doing workouts so there was never a point where their interest was going to leak in him in some way unless they leaked it and on top of that presty did a really really good job of or you know let's i assume that it was you know someone in the oklahoma city front office from the who, top kind of leaked that they like James Booknight and I think they actually do like James <laughs> yeah. Booknight but yeah I mean it was it was an impressive display of uh, of smoke screening uh, from Oklahoma City and I, I think that look Josh isn't the player that I would have taken I like Josh Giddy as a prospect but it fits a lot of what Oklahoma City does kind of across the board
0: i was surprised that was the first one and i turned off notifications because I, I don't want to see it like i'm i'm into the, the the mystique the pomp and circumstance of the draft i want the commissioner to say it and react in real time it's like i grew up watching wwf royal rumble you do the countdown the music hits and you react to that guy you don't want to know john cena's coming out at 25 you want the music to hit and you're like oh here's cena so i had a friend a mutual friend who we refer to often on here, text me, Giddy, all exclamation points, and the pick hadn't happened yet. I'm like, come on, man. Like, I, I've made it this far. Now I'm, I'm getting spoiled seconds before he's there. I was still surprised when they said Josh Giddy. I'm not surprised by Sam Presti. We kind of get some rumblings after that Golden State liked him at 7. We heard the week before that at number 10, that Memphis, that was the guy they traded up for. Who knows if that's true or not. Not if, totally. For on board. what it's worth,
1: I, I do think Golden State. I don't know if they would have taken him over Kaminga, but I've gotten kind of mixed things on that. Um, the he, Giddy was very high for Golden State, though.
0: He wasn't getting by ten. I think that's a fair assessment. So if you're you're yes. gonna do it, you gotta you gotta pull the trigger there. I, I do like his vision. I like his size. Uh, I like the fit with Shea. There's just they don't have to win now, so they can develop him, and he's gonna get a ton of playing time. It's just, is he going to be able to, to turn the corner? Is he going to be able to finish at the rim? Is he going to be able to revamp his shot a little bit? Is he going to be able to get stronger? Just a lot of questions there where I, I would have taken a, a couple guys before him.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I, I would have taken a few guys ahead of him as well. But um, it, it's, it's an interesting fit next to Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who's more of a scorer. Uh, Giddy can be more of a playmaker. It's an interesting fit next to Lou Dort, who can take on tough defensive assignments. Uh, look, I wouldn't expect Josh Giddy to like come in and start immediately for sure, but you know, they're building a team that has really high feel for the game and like spatial awareness. Weirdly, like the way that yeah. like Shay contorts his body and like understands angles and the weird, like, basketball IQ that Alexei Pokushevsky has uh, with his body mechanics and the way that he can contort. And Josh Giddy is kind of an expert in that regard as well with how he understands and sees angles on the basketball court. So uh, I- I'm very intrigued by what Oklahoma City is building. That moves us to number seven, which is where Jonathan Kaminga goes to Golden State. I uh, Yeah, I could never get a feel for how interested Golden State was in him. It was... It was hard to figure that out. And I think they liked it that way. Um, you know, you'd certainly hear that they were, you know, going down the road of evaluating him once they understood that he could fall to seven. But it was unclear to me throughout the whole process. Do they like him more than Moses Moody? Do they like him more than Josh Giddy? Do they like him more than Franz Wagner?
0: <laughs> Equal. Equal? I mean, they got Kaminga they, they, well, they and Moody, so <laughs> at the end of the day, like if they had guy 1A and 1B, they ended yeah. up getting both the guys, I don't I don't know, presumably wanted because Chris Duarte was, was tied to them too. I don't hate the Kaminga pick. I feel like I've been a Kaminga apologist to an extent because he has dipped down from top three, top four to, to seventh. It's not uh, an enormous tumble. He's going to be a very good NBA player. I was just more a little bit Surprised, perplexed of Hugo Kaminga and Moody, both younger guys, when the onus is on getting help for maybe not as much developmental stage time to get guys to win now. And when it was kind of mocked for Davion Mitchell and Chris Duarte, anytime someone's twenty-two plus years old, it's gonna be the the groans and the analytics and it never works out. But it makes sense for for where they at. I, I thought anyway. That's why I was taken aback. Where it was both kind of younger guys in that Kaminga play the four, four three, whatever, and, and Moody's more of a wing. Uh, but surprising that they went that route.
1: The only reason I was surprised that they went that route was you know they, they've talked a lot about wanting to compete and like make sure that they don't waste these last few years of Steph Dre, and Clay. And Kaminga is a project. Like it, it is going to take time for him to become an effective NBA player just because it's going to take time for him to learn the defensive reads that he needs it's going to take time for him to iron out the jump shot and those are really the two things that Golden State needs from him in this era in terms of just like maximizing the pick value I wholeheartedly agree that this is the pick they should have made uh Jonathan Kaminga, I think, was the best player. I had him ahead of Scotty Barnes on my personal board. If I remember correctly, I think you did as well, right?
0: Likewise, yep.
1: Yeah. So, I get it, and I think it's a reasonable pick. There's also some real overlap with Andrew Wiggins there. Mm -hmm. And at any point, if they're going to be trading for a star, and this is like a small thing, but if they're going to be trading for a star at any point, you're going to be moving Andrew Wiggins and Jonathan Kaminga who do the same things really to the other team because you need Wiggins for salary balance, and you need Kaminga. And like, let's let's just kind of like be real with it, right? It'd be like an enormous win if Jonathan Kaminga ever ends up as good as Andrew Wiggins because Andrew Wiggins like is good uh,
0: yeah, now. He yeah, averaged, like twenty games. Yeah, it would, yeah, it would be lofty.
1: Yeah, yeah, like that. That's like a eighty fifth percentile, ninetieth percentile outcome for Jonathan Kaminga because. Andrew Wiggins, like even this year when he took a downturn in terms of usage, he still averaged like 18 and then was a yeah, exactly absolute plus defender, right? So um, that like might scare some Golden State fans. I, I think it's probably <laughs> the right pick. Like if I was selecting, if I was Golden State, I, I think I would have selected Jonathan Kaminka. I do. I think I would have just said, sure, we're, we're going to maximize the pick value and then go from there. I'm a little bit surprised that they did it, I guess.
0: I'm good with seven. It's just seven and 14, both being younger guys. I thought it'd be like a little bit of a, a difference there. I, it, it makes a lot more sense if they are packaging him and, and Wiggins and to get a, a win now type of veteran. But man, there's going to be some uh, there's gonna be some learning curves with Kaminga and, and Moody and you still have James Wiseman and we got to go. Like We got to start driving the car here with, with Steph and Clay and Draymond because time's running out.
1: Yeah, and look, at the end of the day, if time's running out, time is running out um, to the point where you need to trade for a veteran uh, if you're going to do this. And I think that, you know, if Bradley Beal comes available midseason, if someone else comes available, uh, they'll probably go down that road. But until that happens, I think you're probably best off just maximizing the assets you have and trying to uh, find stars that can be centerpieces in trades. I I Kind of think that's where they fucked up, not taking Lamella Ball last year.
0: <laughs> it still stings. Still stings.
1: It does. They'd be in a completely different circumstance I know, right they now would. if they would have taken him, and you know, unfortunately, they didn't. Okay, uh, number eight is Orlando. We can kind of buzz through these next couple oh no we can't because these next yeah, three buzz, or four wild ones. nine and ten um yeah wagner i think we can kind of buzz through if only because uh it was something that made sense the whole way and super high q high defensive value great kid great positional size fits everything that orlando looks for
0: complete win for them i love the parent yep. with Suggs. they have enough of the the lengthy rangy three fours and they have a a badass point combo and a big skilled multi-positional versatile four high level complimentary piece i thought it was an a-plus draft
1: yeah i thought they did great uh i think you know outside of detroit although we'll, we'll talk about some of the more baffling things that happened in this draft at some point. point <laughs> second uh, round yeah uh <laughs> uh outside of detroit and maybe houston i thought orlando had the best night out of anyone uh they just Took what came to them on the board, and it worked really well. Number nine, Davion Mitchell. You and I both like Davion Mitchell a lot. Um, well, we, we, we both think he's going to be, like, a starting quality point guard, right?
0: No question. Still surprised.
1: This, like, totally stunned me. Um, Monty McNair is, like, a heavy analytics guy. Like, people I talked to were, like, blown away by this. I said on the live show, as soon as the Mitchell pick happened, my text messages, I had, like, Three wows, and then <laughs> you sent me what is going on, and then someone else sent me like the Jim Halpert gif, What is going on? Um nobody understood this and nobody saw this coming.
0: And Davion all. Mitchell didn't either. His face was a gif when they when he selected him. Like, you sure? Like, yeah, get up there. You, you get picked.
1: Yeah. Uh so we both like Davion Mitchell the player. We don't really understand Davion Mitchell next to De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton is kind of where we're at, right?
0: That's what it is. You have those two guys. They're probably not re-signing Rashawn Holmes, or if they are, it's expensive, right? He's going to demand a lot of money in in free agency. Uh, You have Marvin Bagley, and he's been up and down, and people demanding trades for him. Harrison Barnes plays a lot of the three and has two years left at 20 mil a pop, and they draft a a 6-1 point guard. that we really like, but if there's this reboot, revamp coming... We can have a different discussion, but if not, what are we doing? Did they have all their eggs in the friend's Wagner basket? Did they try to move down and take it big later? I mean, were they not sold on Sangoon like we thought? And it, it is a tough argument yeah. for me because uh, I do love Davion Mitchell. I, I love the background of transferring and figuring it out he's a worker. He brought three GAs to the draft table with him as a thank you for all the answered phone calls in the middle of the night to rebound for him. And oh, yeah, by the way, and Scott Drew joked about this. They also rebounded from like that week, like that day and the day before. And he said, yeah, he'll sleep till 5 a.m. instead of 4 a.m. as a treat to himself. End of the day, he's a point guard. And and you can use him some stretches as a combo, I guess. And you arguably already have two kind of awesome ones. Just why take another one when the wing and, and front court, as we've outlined, are, are screaming for more help and more depth?
1: Yeah. So the Rashawn Holmes thing is actually really interesting because, they even made it a little bit harder on themselves the next day by going out and getting Tristan Thompson, who I would imagine is like something of a like insurance policy for when they lose Rashawn Holmes, because they only have early bird rights on Rashawn Holmes, which means that they can, I think the number is, I mean, I I can look this up. I think the number is like only around 11 million. It is
0: 11. Yeah.
1: They can repay him. Um, and he's going to get more than that in free agency. He's probably going to get like 14 to 16, I would guess. So he'd either just really need to like Sacramento or he would need to take a pay cut or they'd need to sign him using cap space, which they can't really quite do. It's They would need to maneuver around a little bit more. Like they would need to like get rid of this Tristan Thompson or like stretch Tristan Thompson or something after just acquiring it. And that seems like a bad idea. So, or like move Buddy Hield, move Harrison Barnes, things like that. Uh, so it seems like Rashawn yeah, Holmes did. is probably going to go, right?
0: Right, and we didn't even say Buddy Hield. I'm just assuming based on the trade talks, he's there. But if not, there's there's another guy who's a, a one or a two and smaller guard, Davion Mitchell. Yeah. yeah, despite Davion playing with three or four smaller guards at times at Baylor that all shot forty plus percent from three he's he's not like he can't guard up the lineup he's not guarding like a four in the nba like that's that's not happening like he's kind of there one and a little bit off ball and he'll take some charges he'll step up he'll rotate like he'll get gritty now he'll fight with you but i don't know if you can do that for like 30 minutes a
1: game so here here's my problem and two other guards so like let's say they try to play all three of those guards together which i don't think they should let's say they try right the best option to guard threes right now like bigger wings is Davion Mitchell because Tyrese Halliburton isn't quite strong enough yet and is not good. He's like never really been great on ball. He's always been pretty. He's always been great off the ball. If we're being honest as a defender, you want him more as like a floater who can do uh, wreak havoc and like shoot passing lanes and um, be aggressive like digging and doing a lot of uh, just different stuff to disrupt off the ball. De'Aaron Fox isn't a great defender yet. Uh, he's okay at the point of attack on the ball, but he's still he's gotten stronger. But like he's still a little bit skinny, um, and definitely skinnier than Davion Mitchell, who's just like built and built like a running back essentially. Mm-hmm. I kind of think like their best move is using Davion to guard threes, and that like reduces a significant amount of the value that Davion Mitchell like what his value proposition is because a big part of it is being able to throw him on ones and just let him pester and bother and frustrate them. If you put De'Aaron Fox on the three man, it's going to end poorly. If you put Tyrese Halliburton on the three man, it's going to end poorly. Honestly, I think that like most high level three men in the NBA are going to shoot over the top of Davion Mitchell to begin with. I, I, I'm, I'm thrown by this. I, I don't, uh, it it th- there have to be further moves coming, because if there aren't further moves coming, I don't know how this roster makes sense.
0: And with exactly what you, you said about shooting over the top, it'll also, regardless of who those guys are coming the three, you can split hair and say it's Halliburton, it's Fox, or it's it's Mitchell. It's going to be ISO City in the post. Just teams going to run quick little cuts, post up the the bigger threes, and yep. turn and face and just shoot over the top. I mean, that, that's not a knock. I mean that. David Mitchell's didn't measure well. He yeah. didn't measure everything else he does on the court, but it, as strictly by the measuring tape, yeah, you can't guard threes probably.
1: Yeah, like, I, I really like all three of these players a lot. Uh, I like a ton of these guys. I think they're all, like, I like all three of them probably more than the consensus likes them at this point but they just don't make sense together and that's a that's a complicated deal to try and figure out okay Zaire Williams at 10 with Memphis this is a uh, this, this took some people by surprise I, I was talking to Kyle Mann over at the ringer yesterday and he seemed to be saying that like people are ripping this pick I, I kind of love it for Memphis. Like it's a risk for sure, but I kind of I kind of dig it because it's the one thing that they need. They need like a big wing shot creator, and yeah, like Zaire Williams, it might not work out. The odds are probably against it working out, but there's no one else really in this draft that is six foot nine, you know, six foot eight even, who can get to his step back quite at this level uh, and can be like a legitimate three man shot creator.
0: We sort of saw it coming a little bit. There's going to end up in the lottery the last week or two. And I found it funny how there's always this mock draft consensus and then this like NBA team behind the scenes consensus with him. Uh, the Josh Primo stuff where after his pick, there was these stories. Where, oh, no, well, he was going to go 15. He was going 17. He wasn't going past 20. Nobody really had that. Uh, same with Josh Giddy. Like he, we said he probably wouldn't get past Golden State, the very late latest this pick, 10 with Memphis. Yeah, he, he wasn't he was, getting uh, here, past 10. I, I,
1: I know that with giddy.
0: I, I just I can't get there. I, I know it's wild year. He still played twenty games, twenty, not not five. It's not like he just had the small sample. Uh, not uh, he shot thirty seven percent from the field, twenty nine percent from three. He had forty four assists to fifty eight turnovers. He's pushing around the paint, couldn't hold his ground on drives. I went back today actually because I need other hobbies and I rewatched the USC <laughs> game, the last game of the year, because why not? He had three air balls. There was a lot of bad jump passes and turnovers. Drew Peterson held his own versus him. Anytime he switched on to Mobley, he settled for deep threes. I, I, I understand because I've seen, I want to say, the, the best of Zary Williams on kind of the grassroots circuit and who he was at Sierra Canyon. But man, 10 is high. 10 is really, really high. I I, I admired the swing. He he could pan out. Just at, at 10, I'd feel a lot more comfortable that was 10 slots lower.
1: So I don't even disagree with you, but specifically for Memphis. Like, look, I, I still think Memphis given what they like in prospects probably would have had Josh Giddy or Franz Wagner higher. But in the case of Zaire, it's just exactly what they need. And on top of it, they can really afford to take a swing like this. Uh, they can afford to go, you know what? We already have all these young veteran rotation players. Um, Brandon Clark, D'Anthony Melton, uh, Xavier Tillman, Desmond Bain last year. Uh, plus, You know, John Moran, obviously, Jaron Jackson. uh, You know, they went out and got Steven Adams for the next two years. They have, uh, you know, obviously, Dylan Brooks is under contract for a while now going or a couple years, at least going forward. Uh, Kyle Anderson, I think, is under contract for at least one more year. They, They have all these young guys who can be long term rotation players for them. If any team can afford to take a swing on the thing that would take them into a different stratosphere, like Zaire Williams, if he pans out, can be the kind of guy that like takes you into a bit of a different stratosphere in terms of being the kind of big wing shot creator that you need. I, I, yeah, I, I can't, have, I can't I, I like both ways. I, I
0: can't. I can't. I can't say how much I like big facilitators from the wing and then knock the pick. And I, I do. I, I see that that side of it. It, it just. I was. Uh, I was surprised. That that yeah. was beyond the. Beyond the well, actually, Davion Mitchell was probably the most I was surprised all night, and then Zaire was, uh, was close.
1: Oh, we're still getting to the biggest surprise of the night. Don't Ooh, you worry, we're no about surprise, to get there. No surprise. <laughs> uh, <laughs> James Booknight at eleven. So yeah, throughout the like like last three days before the draft, I started getting uh, texts like, "Hey, you know, have you heard anything about teams being worried about James Booknight's knees?" and I, I asked around and I was, you know, told, yeah, like he had the knee surgery in high school. Uh, it was a torn meniscus in his left knee. And um, but, you know, we, we've for a long time been trying to tell uh, our doctors and we've been trying to convince people to just take the swing on upside where we can take the swing on upside. And, you know, I, I, if a team really likes James Booknight, I wouldn't expect that it drastically shifts the paradigm. I kind of think it seems like it shifted things in the case of James Booknight, don't you?
0: It did, unless it was we're all byproducts of uh, collateral damage of the Sam Presti smokescreen, because he was going sixth. It was done. Everyone had it. Thunder, James Booknight, six. i don't. i I'm not saying the other teams kind of panicked, but it's also a possibility that the Warriors just kind of fell in love with Jonathan Kaminga, and the Kings kind of already had their guy in maybe they thought Halliburton's too close to him despite taking another well, guard. The Magic's Hawkins the other are one. The 10. The trade is the Yeah, well, yeah, they're two, but, I mean, when you have Suggs at yeah. five, and we just said how many guards they have, you're going to throw, like, another one? that like, yeah, gives Is he true. leap years better than RJ Hampton? Probably not. Like, I, I love the Wagner pick because it's it's different for what they had. Yeah, I do too. At 10, you just said a six nine guy That that's different than a 6'4, six, 6'5 six, guy. So it kind of just like worked its way out for there. I don't think he would have gone too much later, uh, but it, but it makes sense. I mean, that's why we kind of do the mock draft and say, well, it doesn't fit there. He fits there. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Well, here, here's a question: If Toronto takes Jalen Suggs, do we think Orlando ends up with Book Knight at eight?
0: Probably, probably,
1: maybe. Yeah, well, I think that's like tooks, a real possibility. Uh, yes,
0: yeah, yes, because because then they would. So if the Raptors took Suggs, the Magic would have to take Scotty Barnes.
1: Yeah, I think they would have taken Scotty,
0: and then they wouldn't have taken Scotty and Franz Wagner, so he probably would have went eighth. Yeah, so Scotty Barnes messed it up for everybody.
1: Yeah, so it's this is what I try to tell people about how hard it is to do the mock draft stuff. There's just an enormous cascading effect if you miss one thing uh, every single time. Like I wrote all of these things. Like I wrote, "Hey, like the Raptors were in on." you know scotty barnes they really liked him you know i wrote franz wagner is of interest to orlando i wrote that Kaminga, like we can't really get a read on it but they're certainly interested um the davion mitchell thing like came out of total left fucking field i don't know <laughs> like, yeah,
0: for everybody yeah i don't think anyone had that not even like no. in a mention maybe yeah. look out for davion mitchell here
1: no um even the Zaire williams thing when they were at 17 i I was like advocating for them to take zire williams at 17 because i thought it was the right pick uh Mm -hmm. yeah the the cascading effect is real like i've you know i i feel like i wrote about a lot of this stuff and just you know picked the wrong name out of a hat right because you're essentially picking (laughs) like you know one out of three names that the team is interested in and you're guessing so uh, the the mock draft stuff is very difficult this is a fine fit though with Charlotte I think book night uh, and LaMelo ball will be very fun together there are going to be lots of lobs, especially when considering the fact they also drafted Kai Jones at nineteen. Uh, lots of running the court, a lot of just uh, the Hornets are becoming a very, very, very fun basketball team.
0: Also, JT Thor and Scotty Lewis, just more kind of run and gun type of guys. Even yep. in just summer league, even if the the pieces don't end up on the real roster, it's, it'll be a good watch.
1: Yep, totally. Okay, let's uh, let's take another quick commercial break. Then we're going to get to your oh. dear sweet boy at number twelve. <laughs> Okay, we're back. Uh, Josh Primo went number 12 in this draft. Well, what happened there, Matt Penny?
0: Mm, I got a lot of text saying you need to take a victory lap on game theory. I said, I don't know about that, man. I don't, I don't think the Spurs took because what we talked about. I blame you for this a little bit because we do like a half a dozen mock drafts a year, I'd say, in January you see enough stuff i shot my shot with him at 28 and i I liked him as this darling late first round pick sort of be this domestic draft and stash to a contender he's the youngest player in college basketball
1: for what it's worth i like that too like i love that idea
0: and things escalated quickly and i have to keep riding the wave and it, it seemed crazy i'm i'm so high on a guy that averaged eight points per game and was the fourth best player in alabama so so day of Brian Klebrowski from uh, USA Today does this like consensus board thing with all the ma- mock draft guys and said, here's guys by his metric who these people like more than others. And of course, like Josh Primo is number one on mine. So I'm like, oh yeah. boy, this is bad. So I actually went home and I rewatched every basket he scored on Synergy because I'm like, man, if I'm wrong, this is going to be bad. So I, I turn off my, my draft notifications and uh, I get a text from a friend. After the 11th pick saying you nailed San Antonio. So you and I had done a mock a week before and I took Corey Kispert and I was like, great. They're taking Kispert. That's who I thought. And then comes the podium and says they select Josh Primo. And I screamed in elation and my phone was like, how did you know this? How do you play? Like, I, yeah, I had no idea. Like, I admire the Spurs (laughs) for, for taking a swing. I I love them. 12 seems really high. Then you kind of do the background stuff and they're, People in the teens that that really like them. People in the yeah. 20s. Like, if you can't move, you can't trade back, and he's your guy. If you have to reach 10 spots where you really believe in him, uh, I'm okay with that.
1: Yeah, so I was on David Aldridge and Marcus Thompson's podcast, and they asked me, you know, who is a guy that could surprise people and, and like, spike up into the teens or, you know – spike up boards basically and people will be surprised they went high and i mentioned primo is a guy that i thought that applied to i kind of thought at the end of the day i think i mocked him at like 26 or something i kind of thought he was gonna end up in like the late teens to early 20s uh i just assumed that there was enough buzz out there that teams loved him and that someone was gonna like just jump you know denver and some of those teams at the end of the first round and get the pick that they could get and trade for it and get josh primo so on the draft show that we did we were doing these like perk alerts right were you watching the espn feed or the abc feed on espn
0: i was watching espn so I i didn't even watch abc i grew up espn i did espn
1: so yeah, Kendrick Perkins was saying some wild shit apparently on draft night. He was in terms <laughs> yeah, was. of these comps.
0: Moses so, Moody's pronunciation was a uh, it was an adventure. experience. Uh
1: yeah. so and like he compared Jonathan Kaminga to Jordan Bell, and like compared you know uh, Draymond Green LeBron. to Draymond or uh, Dream or uh, what was it? Scotty Barnes, Draymond Green, and like all this wild shit, right? And I guess that right. Before they picked Primo, Perk had said something like he was advocating for them to take Dayron Sharp. And
0: Yes, he was. He actually was. Yeah. Yeah. For a while and, he was advocating for him.
1: And Harper was like explaining, like, how crazy. Like, that, that'd be like a crazy pick, right? Like taking Dayron Sharp at number 12. <laughs> and I saw that it was Primo. And I said to Josh, well, it's only slightly. More crazy than what they actually did.
0: (laughs) Actually I saw the video and you're just like deflated, like, Yeah, that was a pick, that was good. You're like scrolling, trying to like process it. I felt like I was drafted. My my phone was (laughs) loaded with people saying like, You did it, can't believe you made like I had nothing to do with anything. I just really liked this game. People watched him and and saw him. Yeah play well and, and same thing on twitter too like oh you're a crush sam you're doing this that you're walking in like vince mcmahon to the next game theory pod I'm like i hope the guy's good now because <laughs> i got a lot like, tied to him like stan Even marsh putting your nuts wild. in the wheelbarrow <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no i'm i'm not that guy just I, I really now i'm super rooting for the guy because i loved him there and then ironically in the second round i, I love Joe camp too so yeah. the the spurs are gonna be uh get my eyeballs for a lot of games this year
1: so here, here's my problem with the Primo pick. Beyond just like having him in number like thirty on my board, thirty five, wherever I had him, I had him like outside of the first round. So in the case of Primo, the whole idea is that you're pre-drafting this guy, right? Like you're drafting him before he's ready because you think you're getting like a marginal inefficiency, right?
0: That's what I. That's what I thought when I kind of started the the momentum here on my board. Yeah.
1: When you take him at 12, you're not actually getting that marginal inefficiency. <laughs> like, you're you're not getting the guy at a lower pick than where he could go in a year. Like, if everything panned out well with Josh Primo next year at Alabama, if he would have gone back, he would have gone number 12, right? right. Like, that's probably yes. the best case scenario. Mm-hmm. So, I don't think there's any value to this pick. Look, like trading on draft night is hard. I, you know, I think they could have traded back. I would imagine that they probably looked into trading back, right? Um, I just can't quite get behind Primo because if I'm going to take this big of a project and try to pre draft someone like this, I need there to be some like real star upside. Because it's probably going to take him a couple years before he can like do anything but shoot on an NBA court. I, I there's just a real like time value of development to me, where these teams are like, hey, let's like draft these guys who we know their projects. They're not going to play early. That's fine. Like we'll develop them. Roster spots in the NBA are precious. Like it, it's you go through injuries through a season and you end up having to play guys. And like, it gets hard. It gets hard quick. And if you're using roster spots on guys that like, you know, are developmental, I need there to be some real like high end outcomes. And in the case of Primo, what I keep coming back to is like, I think if everything goes right with Josh Primo, he's probably like a fourth starter. At the end of the day, oh, he's better than that. He pans out. You think so? I don't think. I don't think, think, he's I don't a think he has that kind of. Twelve. He's, I don't think he has that kind of like six. athleticism though. Like I don't think he has that kind of like.
0: I think. A, I think a little bit, and he showed the shooting ability. I know it was thirty eight percent, but then he he'd rip through and, and try to dunk it downhill to to score a little bit. I liked his craft attacking his man, and finishing with kind of different releases, and then that's he goes what I and like. actually plays. And he plays at the combine, which which is crazy that like it's a thing that somebody plays at the combine, but doesn't happen for right. guys that high. And kind of play point guard. And if you just want to box score watch and say, well, he didn't play that well, I thought he was great. Playing on a pick and roll, finding the open man, advancing the ball up. It's like if that thing is hidden in his toolbox, like what else do we have here? So And then the the part of, I know 12 is high if you're just like, attached to what the pick is. The next like five below it, if you're gonna develop, alright, Chris Duarte is like six years older. No. Moses Moody, make an argument, sure. Corey Kispert, movement shooter, a little bit older, kinda is what he is. Didn't think they were gonna take Sangoon. Trey Murphy, maybe if you you want a similar type project. Uh, I wasn't high on Trey Mann, so we're talking about the next like 10 spots, I'd still take Primo. I, I know I kinda had him at 18, so I'm, I'm being a little contradictory here, but I don't hate it. Like, I, I, I thought it was high, but I, like, I didn't hate it.
1: So, Let's say everything goes right in his – Like I I think what I struggle with is I don't see the athletic pop that you do. I see all of the flexibility stuff. I see all of the body control stuff. I see all of the craft. I just don't know that like he's going to consistently get by dudes in the NBA.
0: Yeah. Well, I I think he can get there because he's not choppy with the ball when he extends it, puts it on the floor. And and I think with his age a little bit too and and not to make excuses for him and not for the other guys – it's sort of akin to grassroots basketball and a guy that's always like played up an age level. Sure. And when he kinda like catches up and gets to more appropriate and I know in the NBA you never really catch up, but once he gets more consistently with the, the speed of the game and can, can see the game a little bit better and he'll have more open looks and it'll be spread out. He's a really got a chance, man. I, I like it. I admired them for for really taking a swing on a guy they believed in that high.
1: Yeah, I admire the swing. Like I, I think it's reasonable. And like I said, like in terms of where I think he would have actually gone, I think it's probably like only a seven pick reach as opposed to like a twenty pick reach. Like compared to where I had him on my board. So I, I don't even think I'm like totally docking them for that it's more i'm just not quite as high on the player i think and
0: it'll take take a few years i I don't think we can also judge it at the end of the season if he averages four points per game and doesn't play when spurs are known for for guys starting slowly and he bounces back and, and that's okay, and, and we might have a guy like say Josh Giddy who who gets a ton of minutes and and develops, and his numbers are crazy, and it's like, see, he was better. You got to let it play out for two three years, and and not go crazy on the draft as soon as the first season's over. If you have patience, it'll it'll work itself out.
1: Yeah, no, he he's definitely a guy that's going to require patience, and th- this is not like if he averages four points next year, I'm not going to be like. Oh, I'm more out on Josh Primo now than I was previously. It's going to be like, okay, this guy's still only 19 years old. Let's see where it goes, right? Um,
0: and and you, you may take over a guy like, say, Jaden Ivey, who you have, I don't know, ninth, tenth. If you're kind of still in that range, you now he's got a year of NBA stuff under his belt, only go up from there.
1: Yeah, see, like, here, here's the thing. Like, I, I just like Jaden Ivey better as a prospect, too. Like, that's another name that I'm just more enthused by, Jaden Ivey.
0: Yeah. This and is I'm good. John Montero. i like agree, like I'm, agree I'm, disagree.
1: Yeah, I'm more enthused by like John Montero, I guess. Um, okay. Let, let's just kind of buzz through the, these next, like, you know, even let's not even like go in order now, right? Let's what 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 stood out in this next group of picks to you?
0: Hmm. Let me look here. Uh, this will be unpopular. The next kind of grouping, and, and I've talked about this too, and I'm just curious in your take everyone crowned the the Rockets the winner of the draft I don't get it with sangoon and Garuba together and, and how that works with with Christian Wood too I, I'm, I I've long been anti-five that's, that's well known I just don't know how you got to play those guys together where seemingly everyone was applauding them for the two picks
1: so I, I loved it but I also am much higher on those guys than you are at the end of the day yeah um, I have them at number eight and number 11 on my board, and I actually think that they're perfectly complementary players of one another as my dog tries to, like, exit the room right now that we're podcasting in and is, like, banging sign. the door. Yeah. Um, so I, I actually quite liked their draft because I think that, you know, talking about Shangun, for instance, right? in comparing him to Josh Primo. I think that Shangun has a much better chance of being an NBA like offensive star than Primo because of his Definitely touch. From year one. Even in the future, because his touch is real. His feel for the game is exceptional. Um his hands are unbelievable. You can run him in a lot of different sets. Like I am I'm, I- I'm a big Shangun fan, and then I'm also a big Garuba guy. I think Garuba is one of the best defenders I have like evaluated as a teenager. I think he's unbelievable on that end. And the reason those two are complementary is if you evaluate them as both being able to shoot at some point just like spot jumpers, right? You're probably gonna be fine from spacing perspective. And Garuba would do a really good job of covering for a lot of Shangun's issues defensively.
0: But Garuba do you think is a four or five?
1: I would probably prefer to play him at the five, but next to someone like a Shangoon, I think that you can play him at the four.
0: I just think they're both fives, and we, we just kind of low key crush the Cavs for for not the pick, but how does Evan Mobley and Jared Allen work together? I kind of feel the same way here. I, I love Garuba's energy. I oh, I don't at defender. all. Well,
1: Interesting. I, okay, continue. I'm sorry.
0: Wait, you don't what though? I, I don't. Like we're. we're
1: yeah, I, I don't think that they're. I don't think that it's the same situation at all.
0: I just think positionally it is. I think they're both fives. Unless Garuba's jumper, and people seem more optimistic than I am, can come around. He does some stuff uh, when they're running and transition to take a dribble or two. But beyond that, it's like, whoa, baby, slow down. Like Let's let's hit a wing and, and run and, and get the ball back. Sangoon, the three, hasn't been there. there. There's some some semblance of it. Once in a while, into the shot clock, hit some step backs, and he's really good at those elbows and, and making plays and facing up. I would just be wary of, of when you get down the line for the playoffs with those guys both playing together. I'm good with Garuba closing games, no problem at all, because he can switch, and even when he makes a, a bad read defensively, he recovers incredibly fast. But to have both him and Sengun at the same time would would give me some pause.
1: So the reason that I think those are different than Jared Allen and uh, Evan Mobley is that Jared, Jared Allen can't handle the ball at all like he he's not a flexible offensive piece. Garuba can actually like do some short roll stuff and he can like little, take little three dribbles out on the break and like hit a head ahead, hit a hit a head ahead pass And one move.
0: Like he can do one crossover get by a guy beyond that, no thanks.
1: No, I, I agree with that. Uh, he has a chance he has a much better chance I think to be a corner and like wing three-point shooter than Jared Allen does. Yes. So I just think, like, kind of across the board, it's easier to play guys together if they are more skilled, essentially, as bigs, uh, it, It's when you have that lack of skill out there is when teams start to ignore Biggs away from the basket. Like, in the case of Garuba right now, yeah, they probably would, would ignore him from the three-point line. But you probably can't quite ignore him from, like, you know, 15 feet and out, right? Probably
0: not. Probably not. I, he, he'd be the guy offensively i'd let him beat us though like let him oh, let, totally. let him make plays let, yeah. him, let him try to create like we'll, we'll really face guard or or whatever play uh Shang-Goon, like really tight don't let him catch the ball but Garuba a little bit give him space let's see what he tries to do
1: no i agree with that um yeah I, I really liked it look anytime that you get my 11th ranked player at 23 because i do think Garuba can be an all defense team guy like i think he is yes. that good on that end of the court. Like, if you can get that guy at 23, it's a win. If you can get shang who I think can average 20 points a game, it's a win. Like, I understand your point with Christian Wood. I think Christian Wood's fine. I, I guess, like, to an extent, if you believe shang is going to be as bad on defense as I think you do, which I think is a reasonable evaluation. I'm not saying you're wrong. What his upside is probably, like, slightly better Christian Wood, Right.
0: Yeah, but not the shooter. Probably that that he's can be at times. I don't like. I don't dislike the picks. It's just more the pairing of them, if that makes sense.
1: Mm, okay,
0: yeah. And I know you're you're more positive for it. Just we're drafting strictly. Uh, I is a five to me. Shangguan's a five. You just drafted two fives in the top twenty-three. That's all.
1: Were you excited about the Josh Christopher pick? Uh, I was not. Yeah, I, that one was one where I was like, eh, okay, like I, I don't. Uh, I understand it. I don't love it.
0: Right. I. At 24, I, I probably would have went Bones Highland. I, I drove the Christopher yeah. bus for a long time during the year. I, I like his creation for his own shot. The more I watched, he just seemed more of like a hunter-type mentality from as a scorer, and I, I don't know how that works within a team concept. And now you have a guy like that entering a locker room with Jalen Green. They're very close friends. They play the same position. And you have John Wall. You have Kevin Porter. I mean, how many shots is he, is he possibly going to get on an island where he can chuck and just kind of get his a little bit
1: no i I agree with that i I guess like what is the player type that makes more sense for them because like i don't even know that bones highland is a it's almost like a player type question right like could you have taken i mean like could you have taken like roko siakubitis or jason preston or miles mcbride like honestly i probably would take miles mcbride McBride. was the other name yeah Yeah, at bones
0: highland or miles mcbride
1: yeah deuce mcbride makes the most sense to me in terms of who to take because they really need defense in the backcourt now. <laughs>
0: yeah, right, right, right. Um, a lot of shooters. you got to play defense stomping down the other end. And maybe that's yeah. the, the Garuba piece is why they were so excited because he, he can do that and he can blitz ball screens and create deflections and he, he's done a phenomenal job of that overseas. Josh Christopher's not necessarily a defender. Uh, like that, I know Bones Highland isn't the best one either, but if you need defense, yeah, Miles McBride, he slipped a little bit. That'd be a good name.
1: Okay. Uh... Jalen Johnson goes 20. That's a big name. You know, Kai Jones, I think that fit with Charlotte's really fun. Trey Mann went 18. That was a bit of a surprise to me. I thought he'd go, you know, 22 high. to 30. Yeah. yeah, 22 to 35. I thought lower.
0: I thought 20, 25-ish. That was the highest one in the, kind of from there to then end of the first round. Josh Christopher was about 10 spots too high, just based on kind of where he had him. Cameron Thomas took a, a little bit of a slide down to 27. I mean, there was people who had him as high as, I don't know, late lottery. So that seemed like it, it dove.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Isaiah Todd goes thirty-one, which is a good outcome for him. I think
0: great. Yeah, and and a win for I would consider a win for the G League night when you have totally. your guys go to what two seven and thirty-one, 31. year one. Yep. Yeah, pretty pretty dang good.
1: Which, by the way, like kind of what we thought when that G League bubble started. That's we just true. thought it'd be Dacian yeah. Nick's going thirty-one and not right, Isaiah Todd, right,
0: right, and and Todd fifty-five-ish.
1: Right. Um, I don't know. Is there anything else you want to mention? Oh, the Sharif Cooper slide. We should talk about Sharif Cooper real quick. How much did that surprise you?
0: This is a cop out. It surprised me less as the night wore on. I kind of thought he'd be like late first. And then when the team, when you saw who else was kind of left on the board. My wife's
1: calling. Give me a second here. Mm -hmm. Just let me make sure that everything's good. Yeah,
0: do your thing. Yeah, of course. But you, you started to kind of to rethink the the knocks of the size and, and the shot a little bit, and, and how does he turn the corner, pick and roll, which, which he's the best at. He's as good a live dribble passer as we saw in college basketball last season. How's the fit on an NBA team? I actually thought the the fit wasn't bad. Where he ended up, that at when the whole thing was said and done, I just I was surprised at forty eight. It went all the way down there, but once he passed the first round, I, I thought by about like thirty six, he'd be taken by somebody.
1: Yeah, I was surprised. I thought that he would go higher. Uh, I thought that he would go, you know, late first, early second. I think I ended up with him. I ended up with him at like 21 on the mock because I thought that the Wizards, 22, I'm sorry, because I thought the Wizards would really consider him. But they ended up trading for Aaron Holiday. Um, Mm. I I had him before then at like 29. It it was falling throughout the process. Like you talked to teams like there was not as much interest in Sharif Cooper as what you would have thought maybe coming into the season and coming into the draft. Uh, I did not expect 48, though. Uh, that was that totally blew my mind. Uh, it was... It's a phenomenal pick. You, you get a chance... Like, if Sharif Cooper shoots, he's a starting caliber NBA point guard. At least offensively, that is. Offensively, particularly.
0: Right. But if he shoots it, but if he doesn't, he's an off-the-bench smaller scorer, kind of in that more Tremont Waters mold. Right. where you can you can get those guys so you can, you can find them free agents so you don't have to draft them in the first round
1: yeah no that's absolutely right um he's more of a backup if he doesn't shoot yes but i don't know like at a certain point like if you're taking it's funny because like there aren't really any true point guards outside of jared butler and deuce mcbride who i had over him that went in the second round or like even in the late first round really um all of these guys are like combo guards or scoring guards right yeah wings um, yeah like may- maybe jason a- preston is really the only like yeah. true point guard that went ahead of him and i disagree with taking jason preston ahead of him but it's not a surprise that jason preston was taken ahead of him because there were teams who just loved jason preston
0: and loved his size and it's also another trend it last year seemed to be the the round of bigs in the first round there was a ton like 11 13 something crazy and then there was only really a couple and it became like you said kind of this comboy wingish type draft and and that's the way the the league has trended i, I it was a, a long fall but a good one and the second round is crazy like it's 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 everything's up for debate interpretation negotiation sign here you get a two-way some guys will just say no and pass uh, yeah. others are, are wanting to be undrafted to get a totally. better landing spot so i i also i'm not writing off of these guys that oh my gosh like jericho sims went 58 to the knicks <laughs> potentially could have went 38 to the bulls like who knows like their agents might have said no that's not a good fit the, the money's not right it's uh there, there's a lot still stuff to be done and there was a lot of value in the second round too
1: yeah and like maybe sharif cooper like wanted to go to atlanta and like he's lived in atlanta for a while i don't think yeah, he's born in move. atlanta necessarily but like he's, <laughs> no, new jersey i think yeah he's been living in atlanta for what how many years now or powder springs i guess which is what in like outside of Georgia yeah outside Uh, of Atlanta so I mean high
0: school yeah I mean they're from what New Jersey New York New Jersey moved down there so for a while I mean it's home yeah I mean Trey Young tweeted at him right away I said let's go they're they're ready
1: like I'm sure that they've worked out together to be honest like just being in that area so um okay any other uh any fun things you want to talk about real quick
0: fun second round uh I was surprised Balsha got drafted. I was. Um, I don't know if that's fun or not, but you said he was like 101st in your board. I thought that oh, was a, no, a fun one. No.
1: He was much lower than <laughs> 101.
0: Okay, somebody was somebody was 101. I don't know if he's on there. I was. Yeah, Kalidzitis
1: ca- was or uh, I'm sorry, is number one. Um, or number 101. Uh, Balsha. <laughs>
0: uh, you can pass. I don't know.
1: I don't want to shit okay. on the kid. So forty.
0: It's place. the most
1: baffling For, player I've seen selected in the draft. I'll
0: just. Say it's that. second round though. It wasn't. Um, it, it wasn't ten. You know, it, it, which has happened before.
1: Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll I, start I like on Smiley Geach and end on Ball show because <laughs> yeah, it's very. No, we gotta
0: do one, one positive. Raptors drafting their own in Delano Banton at forty six. Sure. I'm like, that was fun. We can end on that. I, I put him sixtieth on my last board just because I liked him. I thought he was going undrafted. Forty six, great, good for him. I had the press conference today. I hope it works.
1: Yeah, I'll be interested to see if he gets a guarantee or if he gets um, if he gets uh, a two way because I would imagine that because they signed Justin Champagny to a two way after the draft. There's only right. one teams. There's only one team that. Uh, there's only one spot. I'm sorry. For the two-way so yeah so it's 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 kind of interesting um do they go David Johnson or Delano Banton and what happens to the other guy if they go with the other guy it's uh yeah it's it's interesting it's very interesting
0: I I also feel great about saying Austin Reeves could be the steal of the second round because he went undrafted he's in a good place yeah. in the Lakers where I think he could play and, and make the team
1: yeah I, I agree
0: I, I think it's kind of crazy he went undrafted
1: yeah i I wrote my column that i thought that he is probably going to get a um i think he's going to get a full deal by the end of the year by like the mid-season point to be honest
0: Mm, yep i'm close on that
1: yeah um okay penny do you have any other uh strong things you want to talk about here i don't this was
0: fun this was a a good year i always look forward to the draft and draft night it's 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 crazy the long-winded road we take here and talk about these guys for a whole year and and, and the, the, the whole thing, you want the guys to be successful. It's all these kids fulfilling their dreams, and for them, their families, their coaches, their teammates. It's, it's just a lot of fun, and it's, it's fun talking about the guys, but you, you just want the, them all to really reach their, their max potential, and that's what we're doing this for.
1: Did you and your wife get to sit down and watch some Below Deck, watch some movies over the last couple
0: of oh, days? Oh, yeah. So, 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 yes. And I actually had this weekend. It was like my first Saturday kind of free in forever because I was on the road for work for, for Under Armour, grassroots stuff. Yeah. It was more emptying out the, the DVR. and I kept on trying to put on movies. She's like, no, we have 50 shows to watch. Did watch uh, on Netflix an episode of My Unorthodox Life about Julia Hart, who grew up in, in – Orthodox Jewish community, and then became this like fashion mogul. When she left, I thought it would be more of her story. It was kind of like Kardashian ish. It's okay. It was interesting. And then the other one I watched was um, I've watched two of the three episodes of Sophie, which we discussed briefly. The the Netflix uh, mm, yeah. Cork Ireland murder mystery. Yeah, so I'm I'm getting there. I'll, I'll be able to catch up in about a week or two. But we're starting.
1: So important update. My wife and I have started Queens Gambit last night.
0: Oh all right how what's our what's our initial take? how many episodes
1: Watch the first two episodes great really good uh, really really yes. good. It's I, I want to see where it goes I guess before going oh okay too deep um, really really good I, I need it to be like 10% more propulsive in terms of pace
0: mm okay it, it comes and goes. Comes and goes. There's a few episodes. I was like, I don't know why you had this long ten, fifty minute stretch of stuff.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. I,
0: I could, I could sense it. I could sense in your voice you were maybe taking a turn into negative town. Have to no, see the whole thing through. Then we, then we talk about the end of it, which I, I liked. I had some concerns. I have some views.
1: Yeah, no, like the, 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 yeah, yeah. We'll we'll talk about it at the end after I watch it because um, <laughs> it'll, it'll we'll be done with it by the time we podcast again next week. Um, watched I, I wanted to just sit down yesterday morning and like do nothing and thank god the nba decided not to trade any players anything like that i got to do that um so i sat down have you ever seen kiss kiss bang bang with robert downey jr Val uh, i have
0: not I have, I've, I've scrolled by it about a thousand times i haven't watched
1: it yeah i mean
0: I, I've that's seen a random it. one to pick out
1: yeah, I've seen it multiple times before. Um, it's one of my favorite movies of like the last two decades. I think it's
0: wow, that's lofty.
1: It's just really fun. It's one of the best screenplays of the last two decades for sure. Uh, it, do you know what? It, it's like essentially a like making fun of like detective movies and like noir movies.
0: That's right up your alley. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Because like, you like
0: the, you, you like the noir stuff, but then you like fun poked at it as well
1: i do uh i am an enormous noir fan uh as i mentioned on the last podcast like today and uh as soon as free agency ends there are like 26 neo-noir movies on criterion (laughs) channel i think i've only seen like five of them that will Uh, be uh that will be a deep dive for me over the next couple
0: yeah that'll be post the start of free agency i would gather
1: oh yeah no tomorrow i'm like fucked like um, i'm i'm uh, yeah it's a full work a day for your boy tomorrow. A,
0: yeah it's a four a, it's a 4 a.m day tomorrow
1: no it's not i just found out that free agency doesn't start until 6 a.m eastern 6 time
0: that's right yeah 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 yeah
1: what a dream i'm so excited so pumped about that just
0: don't just don't sleep
1: <laughs> no i can i can sleep in it's great um i finished i finished the late shift which is a book by bill carter on like the leno and letterman like, oh, I, yeah, I think I read that. yeah 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 that good was a really good book um in there yeah no i uh i'm up to like 23 books i've read this year we're just rolling right along penny we're
0: uh Jeez man 23 books and i'm watching usc stanford from like march 3rd i gotta yeah. reevaluate some things I guess.
1: well See, like that's that's what I tr- like. I really try and like turn that off once I'm like not doing basketball stuff. I think, can. I think stuff. we can.
0: I think we can now. We can yeah. now a little bit.
1: Yeah, like well, like when Pitch, I went on, I, I went on like a mini vacation with my wife in April. I think I read like four books like over the course of like four days, right? Um, just because we were just hanging out, and it was super rainy down on the peninsula that we went to and my wife got sick. So like, we couldn't really leave the house. So we were just like, Oh, okay. We'll watch Q into the storm. And then like, read.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Easy enough. You don't have to pull out the Pepperdine game tape to sell yourself on Kessler Edwards or anything.
1: Yeah. I'm good. am good without the, uh, I'm good without the Colby (laughs) Ross tape. Yeah. Right. Oh man. Um, okay. This was fun. Penny. We'll talk at some point in the next couple days. I'm sure. Uh, Please tell the people where they can find your work. It's not
0: goodbye. It's see you later. We're signing the 2021 draft yearbooks, not the the lifetime one. I'm on Twitter, Matt underscore Penny. Please remind me when I tweet that Scotty Barnes was drafted by the wrong team. And uh, yeah, keep following along. I'm sure 2022 draft is right around the corner
1: for us. It is. Uh, we, we will be talking about it probably, probably in two weeks. I would say, I don't know that we'll do next week. Um, there's a lot of free agency stuff next week. That'll be happening. Um, I think we're, I think we're able to kind of chill a little bit for uh, a couple of weeks and then we'll get to it and we will get right into it. But until next time we will talk soon. Bye.